Norwich City had so much FA Cup fever, they want to do the whole thing all over again in a couple of weeks' time. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast, brought to you by Coleman's of Norwich. Ah, Paddy. Where to start? Um, it's not great, is it? Uh, no, no, not great, no. Um, I was dredging up the uh, the WordPress for words like soporific and insipid and limp. And so I had David Wagner's own word, poor, to uh, try and assess what we saw at Car Road today. FA Cup third round, the magic of the cup is anywhere but Norfolk and Car Road today. So, yeah, it's a continuation of a theme. And, and if we thought that the New Year's Day game was one we'd have to endure, but this would be better. Unfortunately, this was in the same bracket for, for different reasons in terms of how the game played out. But uh, but the end result was more frustration, more of that directed squarely at the manager, and uh, you know more questions and answers. And um, where we continue to be in this holding pattern cycle until, without opening up the uh, the healthy debate we had on the show last week, until Ben Napper. Decides uh, David Wagner is no more and has got a suitable replacement to replace him with. Um, otherwise, we're going to be we're going to be in this footballing purgatory for a bit longer. I think. Yeah, purgatory is, is a good way to describe it, and and I think we'll we'll dive straight in with with that, Sam, because um, you know I, I wrote a piece this morning about Ben or yesterday about Ben Napper and um, needing time to move, and there's a, there's a lot of moving parts to to obviously fix at, at Norwich City, and all of which we've spoken about on this podcast for what feels like. Uh, certainly a long period but maybe the last 12 months or so maybe stretching even back to the back end of that Premier League campaign where there's been so much discontent and ill feeling and frustration and underperformance at this football club for a long time and it's it's obviously easy to to discuss that after a a 1-1 draw in the FA Cup but I think it it maybe feels like an apt point to do it because you know I, I said this to Paddy on the way up you can you can talk about the chance in many different ways but for me in many ways the most damning aspect of it is that's that's a cup crowd and by that I mean it's a different demographic it's people bringing their kids to the first game it's people watching who don't usually watch people coming back to Carrow Road who haven't been at Carrow Road for a long period of time that's not your sort of constant season ticket base of fans who've watched all of uh, this season unfold um blimey all of the seasons I've just it's all flashed before my eyes there um that's that's damning. And for me now, it feels like this debate on David Wagner is increasingly becoming a little bit of a, a distraction for, for Norwich City and, and, and their season. Yeah, I think when you talk about the different demographic that was inside Carrow Road um, today and maybe how that affected things, it is alarming in the sense that it's clearly widespread, this dissatisfaction, as much as Stuart Webber wanted to highlight. Um, maybe snake pit divorcees, I think was the quote, and Delia Smith thought it was 20% of whingers. Um, that's expanded the amount of people that have voiced their displeasure and discontent with the way that, that Norwich have played in the direction they're, they're heading in. And I think maybe actually it showed how worn down those sort of those hardy season ticket holders are um, by now because you had almost started to see apathy seep into that and those angry chants were turning to, to just silence and poor atmosphere. Obviously, Russell Martin um, came to Carrow Road on 
Monday and said it was the quietest he'd he'd ever heard it. So I think that that apathy was starting to kick in and maybe the the new audience that was there or the different audience that was there actually highlighted what people with a bit more energy are feeling and that there are people that, that want to, to voice their displeasure. But I think it's highlighted by sort of our response every time we're asked, when's he going to go? I, I I don't know about you guys, I'm, I'm sure it's similar, but I get quite a lot of people asking me now about David Wagner. Oh, do you think if they lose this game, he'll go? And after games, people will, will come up to us in um, the press areas and and say, oh, surely he's he's gone after that. And it's actually hard to say at any point, yeah, probably, or to suggest any any sort of series of results that would end in that um, eventuality because we've seen him win one game in 11 last season. We've seen him win one game in 10 this season and it wasn't enough. We've seen poor results, poor performances, poor atmosphere, poor feeling, and it still hasn't been enough. And I know... You wrote your, your column um, for this morning about giving Napa time and I absolutely understand that argument but he's now been here for over two months and it feels like Wagner can absolutely do no wrong when basically everything at the football club is going wrong at the moment and although this sounds like a hugely negative way to, to talk about a one-off result in an FA Cup um, game that will be replayed I think what was especially worrying was the fact that all the the issues we've seen in normal championship games were um, were repeating themselves this afternoon. When you make eight changes to the team, I think it was, when it's in a completely different competition, where maybe the mentality and the motivation for the players is a slightly different one and still the same issues are rearing their head and the same result is produced... I think the man you're looking at for, for responsibility is, is quite clear and I think a lot of Norwich fans feel now that, that David Wagner's been getting away with it for some time. But without this, this action from Ben Napper, um, as there wasn't even with Dean Smith um, last season and and you know, going back and, and looking at the way that the club's operated for the last couple of years, without that sort of action it's hard to say when it's going to end and there hasn't been any communication about the direction going forward either so it's hard to look at it mainly because there's not much hope on the horizon and I thought today was was pretty symptomatic of that to be honest. Yeah you've, you've used that word that I was going to use hope this, this is what I, I think it, it comes back to because you know we, we can sit here and have a, a really lengthy discussion for an hour about the future of, of Norwich City Football Club and, and probably life after David Wagner and we could, we could have that very real conversation and you know people internally or whatever can, can can talk about maybe these sunlit uplands that await them on the horizon but in, in many ways I, I, I just think where we are here in the here and now fans don't want to talk about that they want to see some shift in the short term because it's it's not even like they're dropping points but they're doing it with a, in a certain way or playing in a certain way it's just it is it, it is hopelessness I've been trying to capture it for a while this kind of feeling that's existed around Carrow Road for a long period of time and and that's been there whether they've beaten Sheffield Wednesday 3-1 whether they've lost 3-2 to Leeds whether they've lost 3-1 against Blackburn it's been a, a real lack of hope I think around the football club and its future and it, it now feels that that is and I don't want to go too drastic with this but it almost feels like kind of that is being in 
bodied maybe by by David Wagner and, and by him because that's where the frustration is 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 going and it, it kind of increasingly feels from fans' perspective, ones that I speak to um, and, and family members who are, who are Norwich City fans that people don't want to have the conversation about the future until they've had the conversation about David Wagner, Adam, and that's where this becomes very difficult for him. And we're talking, what, a year after he's been appointed. Um, and it's, um, it, it's, it's difficult, I think, for anybody now to look at David Wagner and, and, and see someone who's capable of, uh, of leading Norwich City in, in long term, but, but probably even now the, the short term. Yeah, I'd agree with that assessment. I think it's kind of one of them where I spoke to a few people this week as well and it's, it, it, nobody really has sort of got any positives particularly to, to take forward with David Wagner here. Um, as you say, the, the product on the pitch is, is poor. Um, it's not exciting to watch. There's there's no sort of pleasure going to Carrow Road anymore. I mean, a few of my friends were saying today it's, it's cost them £12 and they wish they'd just you know, stayed at home and, and done something else, which is... It's quite sad, really, uh, that that's what it's come to. And I think there's maybe a few people now starting to turn the attention to Ben Napper as well, because as Sam kind of alluded to, he's been here two months. And I think most people maybe thought when he came into the building that, that the first change he'd make would be the head coach. I think that was maybe a little bit unfair at the point, you know, when he arrived, because he needed that time just to maybe get his feet under the table and assess things. But he's been here two months now and nothing on the pitch has changed materially. There's no substance, there's no style, um, nothing that really aligns to, to what he stands for or what he says he stands for in kind of the brief interview we got with you know, the club channels on, on the day he arrived. Um, and I really hope he's got a plan in place somewhere that, that maybe he's having to wait on. Maybe there's you know a man he's waiting to, to come in. Um, and I, I know a friend of mine who supports Swansea and he was kind of speaking about the appointment of Luke Williams yesterday and I don't know, I almost felt a little bit kind of jealous of that appointment. You know, he's, he's a manager who's, who's a great coach. Um, his sort of style of, of football is is excellent and he's a coach that maybe, you know, is a little bit of a hoping that he's going to have to step up two divisions. But I think maybe that's what the Swansea fans are getting behind. You know, it's kind of that new manager bounce, uh, which we got a little bit when David Wagner arrived. But I think the difference is Luke Williams kind of stands for a certain, certain brand of football and, and maybe David Wagner doesn't really have that anymore. It's kind of chopping and changing, trying to go into games. You never really know what kind of setup you're going to get. I mean, it was five at about the other day. But, you know, maybe that was a, a fair fair way to do it in that game, given that, you know the quality that Southampton had. But today, I mean, the, you know, the players on the pitch there today, irrespective of the kind of the age demographic and the debates around that and the transfer window, that squad's capable of beating a, a mid-table League One team. Um, and the fact they haven't is... Um, Irrespective of the, you know, the poor performance on the pitch, it's not really acceptable. Yeah, and, and that's it, Paddy. And, and that kind of stems, I think, to the, the heart of the, the conversation because, it's, it's like, as I said there, it's all very well and good talking about the long term and changes and, and all of that maybe being on the horizon in, in the future. But it, it, it feels increasingly like David Wagner is, is kind of becoming a, a barrier, I think, for, for a lot of fans. And, and, and maybe, because it's all very well and good talking about time, but you only get time if, if maybe there are some evidence that time should be granted. And therefore, it feels increasingly like if Ben Napper wants to maintain this kind of uh, quote of I want time, and, you know, for, for all of the things that we've spoken about, as I said, for probably two, getting on for two years now, really, on, on this podcast about recruitment strategies, about cultures, about communications, about all of those aspects, none of that will get fixed simply by pulling the plug on, on a head coach. And I think that's that's wider um, that's a wider conversation about how to reconnect and plug all of those elements into a clear and consistent footballing strategy. 
but nobody wants to hear those conversations and, and they don't want to hear about long terms when, when you've got a manager there who for a year now is, 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 is underperformed really. Well, well, what it would do at a stroke, um, to take the point Adam made there about Swansea, it's a signal. It's a signal that, that there is change. And the way you've mapped it out, the way you wrote about it today, this is, this is whether people want to hear it or not. Ben Napper has been appointed, not for some instant quick fix gratification. It, this is a major turnaround job because of the state of that squad, that club. Um, you know, championship mid-table, nothingness last season. They're, they're, they're tracking on the same trajectory this time round. Um, no, no sense of entitlement, but that, that's, that's not where Norwich should be pitching the height of their ambitions, um, irrespective of whatever model you've got in terms of the financial power you've got available to you. And it's been proven over the last 10 years or so. You know, Norwich, if it all comes together, are more than capable of getting themselves out of this division for another day, the debate about staying in the Premier League. But, but here and now, they're way below what the the horizon should be for this football club and all of that needs to be taken on board I think it has been I think fans understand that you bring Ben Napper in um, and then you've got this sort of flux um, maybe not quick enough for some but you do have a an evolving boardroom situation as well which is playing out we're in the midst of that now all of that hints at new directions of travel and and something clearly at its heart, data-driven, um, to try and put themselves back ahead of the curve as they were when, when you know, Weber and Farker came together in that first two, three-year spell. Um, Norwich were innovative and on a pedestal and clubs were looking to emulate what Norwich were doing. Now Norwich are so far behind. Um, you look at look at the template, look at the style of football. You said it today two or three times. You know, they're out-coached by a League One team today. Um, that's that's pretty, indi- uh, pretty, pretty big indictment, really, of... David Wagner and, and that group of players. And um, so if nothing else, a change of head coach in here and now, or in short order, at least signals that it's almost the first public Ben Napa um, chip put on the table and 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 then that fans can see, OK, things are now moving definitively. As we sit here now, nothing... If you're an Orange fan, what has changed? You know, Ben Napa has come in, Stuart Webb has gone. It's the same head coach, it's the same group of players, it's the same underperformance. Um, nothing has changed materially where it matters in the shop window uh, on that pitch so at a stroke you remove David Wagner then at least you know that is a clear signal and then we wait what next and whether internally the, 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 the tension there in that is the what comes next isn't been fully formulated the, the plan isn't ready to go then all well and good and again I think you could accept that you know we're halfway through a season it's a very difficult window if you have identified a potential target contractually there might be something that can be done in the summer that can't be done now so that's all well and good but I don't think the alternative which is David Wagner in post between now and the end of the season is going to wash either Um, you know because it's quite clear that a year into the job you chop up a is 12 months in Norwich but also more broadly is his coaching career and the word has always been bandied about he is a streaky coach his results come in clumps good and bad we're now in a bad cycle yeah. again um, there'll probably be if he stayed in post between now and May there'll probably be another good cycle but there'll be no doubt about it based on the empirical evidence another down cycle and, and where does good and bad bring you brings you to mid-table mediocrity uh, as it did last season so if for nothing else than a degree of bloodletting and a signal to the fan base that, look, we've told you this is going to be mid to longer term, but here's the first signal that you know things are going to be different. Um, 
I don't think David Wagner is as likable a chap as he, as he is. If he was to lose his, his position now, could, could he turn around and justifiably argue that he merited longer in the job? Um, you know, that spell pre pre the one win, one defeat in eight before Christmas. And it was proven as, as, as the skittles fell around him in the championship, Tony Mowbray, Michael Doff, um, one or two others. Very fortunate to remain in post. Um, so I think if we got to that level of regression again, then 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 and the change is made. I don't think he could have any comeback if I'm being being honest. So I guess what this boils down to is inside the corridors of power with the people who matter, um, would they be willing to go with a scenario that is an interim? More often, you would expect an internal candidate. Uh, to bridge to whatever comes next if that isn't fully formed and ready to go at this stage, which it feels clearly that isn't the case. Yeah, and that, I think, is is, is the point to pick it up because... Um you can understand, as you said there, if they, if they don't have the next bit sorted, if they don't have the next person sorted, um, and you don't want to just get someone in just to give a bounce to the squad, because we've seen now, I mean, Dean Smith, uh, irrespective of, of, of how it ended, he, he did have a bit of a bounce, maybe a, a shorter bounce than what we expected, but he had a bit of a bounce and then, and then failed to recapture that. David Wagner, in a very similar way, had a bounce, um, and, and since then, as, as you said, it's, it's, been, it's been real streakiness. Um, so if, even if you don't have that next part formulated if, and, and you don't want someone to come in and have that impact, it would make sense something and it kind of feels like this is where it's heading for Norwich to, to have to put someone internally. And I guess Narcis Palash is, is probably the name that we, we, would, we would mention for that um, to kind of look after that role in, in the meantime. Because Paddy says, I think it's much easier to then be able to frame a conversation about the long term once that element is kind of sorted. Because at the moment, all of the energy, win, lose, draw, from supporters, from us, we're spending a lot of time talking about it, yeah. is being put into David Wagner and his future. And, and, and those conversations about the long term can't happen, but also you don't get afforded the same amount of time. And, and that, I think, is, is kind of where the piece about Ben Napper that I wrote this morning is, is kind of coming from, because results ultimately will, will dictate David Wagner and fan sentiment and all of that stuff. But increasingly, it, it kind of feels like to, in order to buy themselves some time, in order to have those conversations, it, it feels like it, it needs to probably, the, the answer probably does lie beyond David Wagner. That fair, and in terms of interim, again, not ideal, but kind of feels like we're, we're at that stage, do you, do you feel? Yeah, I think we've, we've been at that stage for a little while, to be honest. The, the main argument that I saw for, for Wagner remaining in post when, when he did beyond a lot of people a lot of people's expectations, I think, it probably built the pressure built to its greatest level. Um, going into that Cardiff game, the argument I saw for keeping him there was that he could act as that sort of Alan Irvin type character. If you're just going to fire your your head coach and then get somebody in in the meantime with championship experience who does a fairly steady job, isn't going to get you relegated then to be honest, although Wagner was the man receiving most of the criticism, he also sort of fit that bill. Um, and I thought you could have done worse than, than to get somebody with his experience um, into that job if that was the sort of um, path you wanted to take. But there are two arguments really that, that mean that doesn't work now. And one of them is that they need to show some signs of change as we've spoken about and... Um, you know, I think I think Paddy nailed it when he said it's not about the instant um, 
gratification of promotion or a complete turnaround in the next month. It's about the fact that clubs who want to make a change, even over a longer period of time, are showing signs of of doing that um, right here and now. And and obviously, I think most people that the the main sign they want to see is is Norwich getting rid of Wagner. To be honest, if you if you ask um, most fans, and then the other argument would be that I don't think they can actually do much worse with somebody who's already at the club in a sort of interim position. I, I was thinking maybe, you know, and and although I wasn't necessarily Wagner in, if you have to put it in, in two camps, I now feel like there's not much Narcis Pelash could do that really, to be honest, would be much worse than the way that Norwich look. At the moment, they have two good players to to end up in relegation trouble, in my view. And it's not like he's just some random member of the backroom staff who who doesn't have um, that much knowledge. He spent a lot of time with really top managers. And from your your interview with him, it's quite clear that that's. I mean, he's been a manager himself, so he has he has the experience of of that role. And it's clear that it's something he he'd probably like to do again in future. So. With somebody like that in the background, even if you don't see that as your permanent solution and maybe they won't want somebody associated with Wagner, if they do want to complete this turnaround and give the club a, a completely different feel, which I think would be understandable, there are alternatives in the building that would do a steady job. I think the the thing keeping them from doing that at the moment maybe is the lack of acceptance there appears to be internally that the playoffs are an unrealistic goal for me. It's it's you're almost dreaming to suggest that Norwich first will get into the playoffs and two, if they got there, would somehow manage to to get promoted. But still, in every program, we see that very public goal of reaching the top six. David Wagner, uh, in his pretty much press conference, was was making some pretty significant hints at preparing for playoff games um, later this season. And I think maybe that that ambition and that view of where they can realistically get is stopping them from, or some figures behind the scenes at least, from accepting that maybe all they need is somebody stable enough to comfortably help them avoid um, relegation trouble. But then if that is your goal and if you do want to push for the playoffs, this performance is nowhere near good enough from this current head coach either. So, to be honest, it's quite hard to to replicate their thinking and to understand where they're coming from. But there are quite a lot of complex factors, and I think I would go along with you that even if it's an interim solution, that would probably appease fans and improve the situation a little bit for now. Yeah, and, and you never know, it might even improve performances as well. And I'm not sure it, it, it would take that much at this moment in time. I mean, Adam, to, to, to talk about the game today, um, I, and Paddy referenced it, I, I said throughout the game, and I said to you guys as well, it's, it, it, they were being outcoached, particularly in that first half where there were some attacking movements and rotations and in possession. I mean, they, the, the best chances they had on the, in, in the first half really came on the counter-attack. They were lucky not to be 2-1 down at, at half-time. Uh, good save from George Long, stroke, poor finish from Giovanni Brown, I think both things can be true uh, and obviously the the post as well um 
but but even in the second, you, you obviously have the Adam Eder chance from from Hernandez's cross that he should convert. There was a uh, a snapshot as well that that just went past the post from Liam Gibbs. But thereafter, there was there was no sign. But the last half an hour of of any sort of creativity or or, or attacking plan or rhythm or idea in possession of uh, of how they were going to break a team down um, that's a division lower than them. It's it, it's really concerning when you're at home in the FA Cup. With that expectation, I understand to an extent there's always going to be an element of Norwich couldn't win today because if, if you beat Bristol City and you beat them pretty comfortably, we're, we're probably sat here and fans are, are out there going, yeah, well, you know, that's that's what was expected. And then if you don't win, you, you kind of get this flip side of, of the coin. For me, it's almost park the before the, the result. Sorry, it's it's another performance that we have to file as, as not being good enough, which, you know, Paddy referenced the run that they were on, one defeat in, in eight. I think it's one win in six now. Um, and that kind of points to the, to the streaky element. But, but even in, in that run, performances weren't great I mean I, I'm struggling to rack my brain the last time that I really think an Norwich team played well and like well enough to win a game of football and not not just the burst in a game or like they did at Cardiff when they had that that burst that that probably got them over the line um or you know the, the 20 minutes against Sheffield Wednesday which or the second half against Sheffield Wednesday and Huddersfield which were enough to win those games Pure 90 minutes, I think I'm probably going, unless you guys want to correct me, I feel like I'm going back to Huddersfield in August as the last time over over a piece that I felt Norwich played really, really well. That's that's pretty damning, isn't it? And this is another performance against a team, a lower lower league team, that, um, that, that kind of adds to that growing list of evidence. Yeah, and then obviously factor in that the kind of excuse of injuries is no longer there now either. They've got a lot of the players back that, that maybe were kind of I suppose mitigating factors for the drop in performance. Um, Sergeant's return is, is of course huge, and I think that going forwards it will help them. But it, yeah, the, materially there's, there's there's a common theme and a common denominator that the performances have been very poor. Um, it's just been a little bit of individual quality against teams that are, you know, on paper worse than Norwich that's maybe got them over the line in, in kind of that good spell he had there just before Christmas. And I thought today, you know. They're playing a, a mid-table League One side. It was an opportunity to to get a victory, um, get you know sort of a few fans, maybe that are different fans to, to usual. So, you know, let them have a good positive performance and something to to go home happy with. And it was very poor again. And, and you know, sort of younger fans moving forwards, I have concerns. You know, that they're having to come and watch a product on the pitch that maybe doesn't excite them. Um, and for the future of the football club, of course, they need those younger fans moving forwards. Uh, and of course, the season ticket renewals are, are sort of getting closer and closer now as well and you can't look at those performances on the pitch and, and say you know you're willing to to part with you know in excess of 500 pounds to, to watch that at the moment um, particularly when there's no sort of plan um, I think Wagner's approach is very you kind of know when the substitutions are going to be made what substitutions he's going to make and none of them really ever seem to have a massive impact on the game I, I know sort of at moments they have done of course at Bristol City Adam Eder substitution gets them the win and Cardiff some of the substitutes combined to, to get goals but it's all just very formulaic. It's all very the theme, you know, the common theme. Every single game, underperformance, and just a little bit of individual quality at moments to to get them the goals they need. But um, at the moment, you know, I think Wagner sort of said it in his post-match that you know, it sort of boils down to the players on the pitch. They're the ones that are out there performing. But you know, it's the setup, it's the tactics that he's there. He's the one who coaches them on on the training pitch. You know, week in, week out, and I think they look like a team that's a bit lost and maybe not really coached, and they're almost sort of looking around at each other, confused at points, and and that's a massive concern moving forwards. You you hit the nail on the head there, and, and it 
tallies with uh, something that, that Chris Sutton has said a lot in columns that, that he's written recently um, and it's worth saying if you, if you haven't read his one after Southampton that's that's definitely worth a read um, but he, he speaks about it's, it's been moments and not performances and that's that's right Paddy isn't it really we, we've looked at Norwich and you mentioned it there Adam Eder away at, at, at Bristol City we, you know Adam Eder against Hull on the opening day of the season we could we could go all the way back it's uh, John Rowe against Ipswich two moments in in, in, in that instance this is this is at the moment a team that's functioning on on moments and individual moments of quality rather than than patterns of play and and, and good kind of performances to to get those results. Well, I mean, you say at the moment, Connor. I've got to be honest. Over the twelve months, I mean, you had to rack your brains to go back to Huddersfield, but that's pretty much the the, the Wagner template. That it has been a moments style Norwich City we've seen on the pitch in the last twelve months, um, and and that's. That's where you see the gap or the chasm when they come up against, dare I say it, you know, McKenna's Ipswich. They were far as, a, as an identity, as a, as a template in and out of possession. The cohesiveness, uh, the rotations, you touched on it again today with Bristol, but just the fluidity of movement, the understanding individually of their roles and then within the collective streets ahead of Norwich. And OK, yeah, 2-2 that day. Well done, John Rowe. But... Um, you know, roll it on. I mean, Leeds, Leeds prior to Farkas, Leeds when they came here, a real clear identity. More recently, Russell Martin, Southampton, even Millwall. Um, you know, they looked far better coached and f- far more cohesive, and you could understand what they were trying to do. And um, and I don't think that's too much to ask for from a coach who's been in post for twelve months. If I'm honest, with the quality of raw material he has got, which you know we could all list five or six players, I think, in that Norwich squad who wouldn't look out of place in a team at the top end of the table for me. Um, so it is, I, I don't think it washes to say that the raw material isn't there. It, maybe not in the quantities it's been there in recent years, but there's more than enough to, in the right hands, um, meld something that is... And, of course, results will fluctuate because that's the nature of the championship. And look, referee decisions, they all come into play. Injuries, suspensions. But the common thread through any performance should be we understand what Norwich are going to do, what they're all about. And that was the mantra when Weber first walked through the door, that you would understand what a Norwich team were trying to do with and without the ball from the first team all the way down to the... Under eights. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I know time moves on and, you know, a lot of bruises were taken and punches along the way. But, you know, that, why that was abandoned, um, I think is the root cause of a lot of the issues where we are now. Because once Farker departed, the, the philosophical coaching outlook was put in the bin and we've had two pragmatic coaches and with pragmatism comes you know incremental gains at best and and probably at worst where they are now which is just listing and just treading water um, and the fear then is that at some point it will go the other way and you know where that leads many clubs Norwich and Bungham have, have, have discovered what that means in terms of slipping down further down the football league so and again, it flows back into the debate about you know signals, and maybe Wagner's departure is a signal. But but another signal would be whether it was an interim or or the coach of choice. Another signal would be that clear identity and philosophy. And I think, I don't want to speak on behalf of Norwich fans, but if if I'm a Norwich fan going to see my team and I know what I'm going to what I'm going to get and that I'm going to be entertained and that there is going to be some actual methodology behind how they're trying to win games and how they're going to try and control games and, and have possession and be aggressive and, and pressing and, and all of those elements that the best coach teams in the Championship with Norwich have come up against recently clearly possess. 
Um, I think you can row in behind it. But what what has any Norwich fan got to cling on to watching a David Wagner team? Not a lot. Yeah, and it's it's that hopelessness that I think we've we've tried to capture. And I think you know there was a there was a period um, at the start of the season where there were a lot of uh, hearing them less now, um, really. But at the start of the season, where there were a lot of comparisons to Farker's first year, um, and, and that's that's true, really, in terms of levels. But when did Norwich finish? Fourteenth that year? Thirteenth? Fifteenth? So below Ipswich, very 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 similar run of results. What the, the the difference is? What was set there in terms of foundations in terms of this is a Norwich team that is trying to build this played like this recruit like this and if you're a fan then okay the results fluctuate she said it, it might not be a team that um, is particularly good or a team that's that's going to be challenging the, the top six but you know what you're kind of watching and what you're getting behind there and you know what they're building to and, th and this again just maybe bookends the whole debate on David Wagner and maybe his, his Norwich City tenure over the, over the 12 months there's very little about him the way he plays the way he's coached the team selections that he's um, implemented that leaves any room for what is for building really there's there's no signs of any sort of foundations being laid and I think ultimately that that is the issue that that he's, he's, he's got with supporters and, and, and probably why I suspect um, he, he won't be Norwich City head coach in, in the long term as, as the debate that we've just had. Um, part two, we'll discuss transfer windows, we'll discuss um, replays, uh, we might even talk a little bit about the game as well. So we'll see you in just a second. Welcome back to the uh, Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast brought to you by Coleman's of Norwich. Usually we do our Bring the Heat segment. Um, not sure there was a lot of heat brought, but I think uh, we'll, we'll give a collective winner to the people who just raised torches up in the second half, which uh, I was waiting for like Chris Martin and Cole, play, not the not that Chris Martin, another Chris, very good. Uh, I didn't even do that deliberately. It's almost like, all right, this stuff. I was waiting for the other Chris Martin and Cole play to come on. It was a bit like, I don't know what that was all about or whether it was choreographed, but... Um, that was uh, that was some I don't know literal light is heat. Well, light is heat, isn't it? So that's that's literal heat that yeah, they brought yeah. to it. Is it um, is scientifically? Light heat always. I don't know. I just, you might. You're, you're probably right. To be fair. Yeah, I I, I think I got a uh, C in science. So I'm not the right person also, to ask. Chris Martin did make one notable contribution. Wasn't there a bit where he was like yanking on the yeah. back of Demetrius yeah. Yunus? Mask. So maybe you did bring the heat. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. That's a very good answer. Is there any others before we move on? I don't think you guys have got any moments. That was quite that was quite funny actually. No, uh, we'll, we'll we'll leave it there in terms of bringing the heat. Um, just to to uh, continue because obviously it's it's a, a year that, that David Wagner has been in post. That's a an achievement I think for any head coach these days uh, with the the rate at which they're they're sacked um, and the rate at which they are changed by by football clubs so consistently. And actually, I think you you kind of put this point to him a couple of months ago, didn't you? And he said the average um, lifespan of a coach is about 13, 14 months, which is probably about right. But I want to kind of read some some words that he used in terms of his style of play because it's quite appropriate I think um, to, to the conversation that we've just had on him uh, and then I'll, I'll bring you in Paddy uh, this was this was after he was um, appointed and uh, I think yeah it would have been about a year ago 
So this is this is uh, what he said. Every manager has a different approach. I like this high intensive, aggressive football where you are brave and chase opponents. Even if you have to respect opponents, which we all do, but look after yourself home and away. Try to play your football. It needs work. It doesn't come by night. We have to do a lot on the training pitch and in a lot of video meetings too. And this is why I got hired. I said this is the football I love. This is the football I like my team to play. And I've seen enough that I'm sure we have the players, the individuals and the mentality to do it. That said, we need time. We have uh, to work a lot. Confidence isn't at the highest when you're not winning football matches uh, as you're expected to do but this is something we can only change on the grass and I think that's that's something that was built with Wagner high octane teams aggressive teams um, full throttle uh, heavy metal football we, we know he's kind of a cloppite in, in that regard and, and very closely aligned to, to, to how the Liverpool manager sees his, his footballing philosophy and I, I guess this is probably why not that I necessarily want to go back over the Southampton stuff and the criticism but, but this is partially why he's kind of found himself in the firing line a little bit Paddy because those words haven't really been what we've seen consistently. And um, to be fair, I remember, I think it was Dan O'Hagan, after he was appointed, I did a video speaking to sort of experts who had followed him along the way. I think there was one at Huddersfield, one at Schalke, and one at Young Boys. And I think um, Dan O'Hagan said this about his time at Schalke. I'd have to go back and check. I'm pretty sure it was Dan O'Hagan. Um, but it, it was basically when there was a poor run in form, there was maybe this inability to uh, continue, or, or maybe it was more of a sort of, um, willingness to pull players back and to pull structures back and to pull kind of players into more defensive situations to try and solve those issues. But that that's maybe the the, the criticism that bears the most as we kind of touched upon. It's, it's that style of play element with with David Wagner, isn't it? Particularly after maybe why Norwich dispensed with Dean Smith. Well, it's, it's pertinent that you mentioned that last championship game against Southampton and the 25% possession and five at the back, in his own words, you know, five four one. Contrast the away game at Southampton, which yeah. was this season, if anybody's in doubt, where four four, Barnes and Sargent front foot, and a lot of the turnovers were high up the park, and the counters. That performance is those words. What we saw the other day is the complete polar opposite. So, you know, and okay, that not every game in the interim has been twenty five percent possession or five four one, but I think the most of the games since have tipped more towards that than what we saw at Southampton that day. So, you know, is it that he can't to, to take your point about what, what Dan might have been saying about his time at Schalke that when the wheels come off, he he's not able to to alter it? But more broadly, is that a sustainable style of football with this group of players? We know much has been made about the. The need to lower the age profile, so you know, physically in terms of athletic output, because a lot of the tenants of that style of football rely on having players who can really go into the red zone and can sustain it for ninety minutes. You know, the amount of games which is, where which Norwich. Is, look, sorry to jump in, but it's fine after like four games when you've assembled maybe thirty a squad of thirty somethings yeah. who you know yeah. haven't played for football for a little while. But when you get to game. 18, 19, is, is, that, is that kind of physical output and that ability to cross that red line still there? Probably not. Well, I mean, we, you know, we, we probably need to actually dig more into the, the actual data, which is, is readily available in terms of the physical numbers, you know, the, the, the amount of kilometres covered, as they like to talk in, in those terms, and areas of the pitch where you've got those bursts, those intense bursts, all those metrics are out there. Um, but just to the, just to the, the naked eye, it, it, it just feels that 
whoever the 11 are on the pitch cannot sustain that style of football. They're not able to deliver that from minute one to minute 90. Um, the amount of times you watch them this season and it's other teams who are finishing stronger. It's Norwich who are running out of gas, metaphorically. Um, so, you know, as much as we're di dissecting the coach, is it that style of football that he that he wanted and maybe he implemented for a period at Huddersfield? But it's worth reiterating, you know, once he got them out of the division and kept them in the Premier League by the, you know, by the fingernails, the, the the season that came afterwards was was every bit as you know lacking in intensity and that urgency. Was a Norwich Premier League season, wasn't it? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, what I'm saying is there a shelf life yeah. in terms of his coaching methods, an impact on a team or a group of players, and you know certainly not something that will sustain you from 46 games in a Championship season because you know there's and again today with further evidence today could those words marry up with that performance? Um, no, is the answer. And I don't think it's enough to, to sort of, because they're pertinent, because they were back again today for the first time since that Southampton, since that Huddersfield game, Barnes and Sargent. I don't think it's enough just to hang it on Josh Sargent's prolonged absence from the team. You know, again, that, that if that is the case, and that unfortunately underlines the, the paucity of the recruitment and, and having the options available, because you're, it's inevitable. You're going to get injuries, you're going to get suspensions, you're going to lose key players for periods of time. So... You know, it would be naive to assume that you were only going to be able to roll out his template around, I don't know, a handful of key players. And if they're not there, then the wheels come off. Um, you know, it needed to be better than that. So are we seeing that football that he pledged when he walked in the door? No, because if we were, we wouldn't have been mid-table last season and currently 13th or whatever it is, 14th right now. So purely take the emotion out of it where they are in terms of league positions one and a half seasons into his tenure well maybe a full 12 months into his tenure but in terms of when he took over this time last year um, to this point no we, we cl he clearly hasn't if that was his brief he's not delivered yeah and I think it's it's an interesting point you make about the physicality of of it all and I think that's that's a fair one to make but but also the, if if the players aren't and and you know we could we could talk about you know having a profile of player capable to do that also fine but then you have to reflect on again the the way that they went in the summer with their recruitment and signing players who uh, maybe physically were going to find it a little bit more challenging to deliver that style of, of, of play. And, and that ultimately, I'm afraid, is is on him and, and the former sporting director who led that that window. Um, and, you know, he put in Christian Fashnack, for example. He, he would have pushed hard for a lot of the experienced guys that, that came in. So, again, it's it's kind of marrying those two up. If you want to play that kind of attacking brand of proactive, pressing, uh, high-octane football, you need to have a squad that reflects that. And at the moment, I think it's it's pretty clear that that, that Norwich don't. Um, Sam, in, in terms of um, Norwich and, and, and where they find themselves, I think, I think it's apt. Obviously, I, I don't think we, we spoke about this much after Southampton, but, but the, the January window has opened. And, you know, we, we spoke earlier about kind of Ben Napper and having that uh, opportunity publicly to make changes, which is very difficult to do two months into a job unless you make a managerial change or unless you're able to sign or sell players. And he hasn't had a training window up until now. What do you expect from from this January window? Because Norwich have a, a big squad, as we said. It's a difficult squad in terms of the the kind of age group that they've got there. And I think the the average age of, of today's team was above 28 again, which is, which is pretty high. Um, it's going to be really difficult to shift that down at this stage. Yeah. What, what do you kind of expect from this January window for Norwich City? 
I would say I, I expect somewhere between what Norwich normally do in the January and what fans want. I think there probably is more uh, more intent and more desire internally to, to make a shift this January than there has been previously when Norwich have you know, been quite open about the fact that they don't like to do loads of business in January. Obviously last season, even when things weren't going amazingly and Wagner had just been... Um, just arrived at the club they obviously only signed one player uh, on loan so you know traditionally it's it's not a club that's done much in January most clubs don't do as much in January as they do in the summer but I think Napa is is keener to to do more um, this window than, than maybe the club club have been previously and and I think he sees this as an opportunity to to start his rebuild um, of of the squad and to start that project that you spoke about of bringing the average age down and probably doing quite a lot of other things to it as well um, to be honest and although that will be difficult to to do entirely in January and in fact it's it's probably impossible to do all of that in January um, Hopefully they can make some significant steps to doing that. Obviously, it looks like Mark Atanasio is is likely to be a bit involved in that financially, but it's still a, a tight situation and not one where they have enough funds to to really buy multiple players um, who are able to to come in and be key players right now. Especially when you look at the likes of you know the likes of Napa speaking about the importance of of signing young players you know you need to be honest to be bankrolled to the, the tune of 15 million plus to be able to sign probably even three or four young young players who are capable of impacting things at a championship level um, and that you can sign permanently so I think in that sector it'll, it'll either be it'll be low numbers of players who can impact things now or slightly higher numbers of players who might be projects for the future but where things are headed under Napa from a recruit, recruitment um, perspective seems to be fairly clear uh, it looks like obviously there are going to be some players moving out on loan um, looks like Jaden Warner well it looked like he was he was set for Notts County obviously that managerial change that we spoke about in terms of Swansea earlier might impact things um, there it sounds like Luke, Luke Williams was a big fan of Warners, but probably some other players around the edges like Tony Springett. Um, we've already seen Archie Mayer and uh, Ade Boyega from the the under twenty ones go out on loan. So probably some work around the fringes. But it's like you say, it's going to be difficult f- for Napa to to make much of an impact in terms of getting those older players out. There isn't going to be really anyone that wants to pay fees for the likes of Adam Forshaw or Danny Bart. Ashley Barnes and there probably are some of those players that David Wagner will very much still want in the building so I think until the summer in terms of shifting those higher earners, those older players, um, that might be when Norwich fans have to wait until but this is definitely an opportunity for, for Napa to make his mark as you said and um, I'm sure he'll, he'll want to hit the ground and, and make some signings before long because we're already well, well, nearly a week now into uh, into January, and it's obviously not a long window. So, hopefully, they can they can start making some moves in terms of inward action pretty soon. But I'd suggest they might be looking to the future more than maybe the average club is in January. Don't seem doing a lot, Pad. Do you do you see much? No, I don't, Connor. No, I think um, 
Uh, I mean, there probably will be a bit of a tw twin track, but I still don't think the overall numbers are going to be very big. I, I just think... Um, a big squad isn't it already and that's that's the messaging you know that, that they need to prune they need to thin they I think they would if you got them in a candid moment um, that romp you did a piece earlier in a week of the outer contracts if they could shift the majority of them they would do because everything you hear is that the, the financial imperative now is you know is to reduce the wage bill basically um, you can't as we approach the end of the, the parachute payment cycle um, whether you've got the Bank of America uh, to call locally label the Atanasio group in the background or not as a backstop you still need to have a, a real sober reflection on the new reality which will be if they're back in if they are still in the championship then even tighter belts will have to be you know the case clearly look at the look at the last set of accounts that tens and tens of million pounds worth of debt whether it's internal debt or weighted internally or not that's not a, that's not a good position for any football club or any business so no, I don't see a huge amount of business, if I'm honest. I think um, they're clearly in the market for a defensive midfielder. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's the loan route they go, because I just think, and part of this is obviously the whole debate we've had about the head coach. You know, If that's, as it clearly is, it feels anyway, externally, in a real state of flux, then you know, is that the priority? And, it, and, it, and is anything that... And you can see it with, with those younger players Sam touches on who are going out. They're going out allied to Tompkinson already out, Brad Hills, Lewis Shipley as well, Abu Kamara at Portsmouth, they are very much going out now or already out to basically push their claims to be part of this in Norwich's squad from next season onwards, irrespective of who their head coach is. So again, that part of January is very much Napa looking to the future. And when I say future, I mean next season onwards. And I think really anything inward, if there is anything inward, would be with the same view. I don't, you know, it was sort of muted to me um, you know even if Atanasio wrote uh, a rather large cheque in January there's no guarantee Napa's going to cash it in because he might think again Sam touched on it January is not a market where there's A the availability of player or B the, probably the the financial sort of um, price tags make a lot of sense because everything's inflated because of the lack of player availability so even if there is money to spend I could easily see a scenario where Napa sits on that until the summer, um, where there'll be more players, there'll be better value. He's had another few months to put the data processes in place to maybe scour leagues around Europe where you get more bang for your buck, basically. So, no, I don't, I don't see anything of the uh, of the uh, major category in terms of their transfer business in January. For all those reasons, I think it'll be... Uh, um, more outs than ins uh, and the ins that are in uh, will come in if they do um, uh, are not going to do huge difference to this group of players I think it's going to be all about now and that's a difficult message because you, you don't really want to message out look we're writing off January we're writing off this season but implicit in putting plans in place for the mid to longer term is that anything you do in this window is with a view I mean I think Napper himself said it I can't quite remember the forum he said it in but you know, he's not for the quick fix he, in any area of what he sees the sporting director template as, and clearly recruitment is a massive part of that. Um, he doesn't he doesn't see the value in something um, for the sake of the next few months. Anything he will do, and that that spans recruitment and it spans this window, will be with a mid to longer term in mind because he is now trying to essentially overhaul, put a new culture in place. Um, new processes and, and recruitment is going to. I don't see why he would 
hive off recruitment and treat that any differently to building up the recruitment department, building up the scouting, building up the the academy, sports science, having a look at that, the the you know the the the, the whole in, incorporation of data in every facet of the business. Um, why would you treat recruitment any differently? Uh, so I think it'll be no a very quiet window, if I'm honest. Is a good window for Norwich City Adam keeping John Rowe and, and Gabby Sarah, but beyond the end of it, obviously we, we've kind of had it played out with, with John Rowe and, and David Wagner said pretty publicly that they feel they're in control of that situation. He's um, obviously got, what, is it 18 months? He's, he's 25, isn't he? But they've got an, a, a, an option on that. Um, Gabby Sarah as well, someone who's, who's um, produced a lot of quality over, over the first half of this championship campaign. I mean, to lose them would, would, would be pretty disastrous, I think, with the position they're in. It kind of feels like maybe maybe that's the aim to at least get those guys to, to the summer when you can assess it again. Yeah, I think with fan mood at the moment, if, if you sold either of those, it would almost be a tipping point for for fan frustration to grow even even larger than what it already is. And I think there'd be an expectation if you were to, to sell one of those that you would then go and do three or four bits of business with the money that you've, you know, rec- I suppose, uh, brought in from, from the sales. So <clears throat> being that they probably wouldn't or don't know at the moment kind of the outlook of the, the club moving forward because we, we don't have any stability really with a head coach or, or a set plan, I think you almost better to keep hold of those two let them be here for the rest of the season. I think that their value is not going to drop really between now and, and the summer. Um, if anything, they've got potential to probably grow it. So I think you've got to keep hold of them. Um, and then you've got the signal then in the summer. If you, if you do have to sell them, you've then got a little bit of cash to maybe go and inject in, in certain positions that, that may be a requirement, you know, because they would have had a lot of players out of contract that would have left at, at that point and maybe a few others that would have departed. So um, I think, yeah, the, the worst thing they could do at this current moment in time is, is to sell those two because... Uh, yeah, I think with, let's say, with the mood and, and the feeling around the football club at the moment, uh, it, it wouldn't send a very good signal. Yeah, and I think, uh, as, as you said, Paddy, it'll be about opportunities and, and maybe something popping up a little bit later on that, that, that maybe they, they feel is, is possible to do. Um, next couple of weeks is good fun. Friday night in Hull, probably a Tuesday night in Bristol. Paddy, I, I mean, forget Venice, forget all of those luxurious locations around the world um, that, that you could be in. I mean, that's that's proper championship, isn't it? That's proper meat and potato pie stuff. That that's probably what we'll get served up, Connor, <laughs> yes, yeah. uh, in a in a non self entitled way. <laughs> well, how dare you serve us that food? But uh, not been to the Memorial Ground, so if nothing else, I can say I've been to a bit like Plymouth earlier in the season. I quite enjoyed. That went it. Well. <laughs> Well, not not on the pitch, no, no, but it was a very nice um, stadium, yeah. uh, home park, and uh, yeah, but phew, that's, uh, it's a desperate state of affairs that we now have to schlep to Brest- Bristol, how dare they force us to do it, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with it, and uh, yeah, probably to see a defeat, as you, as you hypothesised there, Connor, as well, to throw into the bargain, but yeah. Um, Hull's not too far, really, is it? In the grand scheme of where we travel from. It's a Friday from, night what, element, what, isn't it? What, what, did you have plans on Friday night? Well, not especially, but it's just, you know, then, <laughs> it, then it makes it an overnight one and, you know, it becomes yeah. a, it becomes sort of a different away day, doesn't it? You need your binoculars for Hull because we're right oh, at, right I'm, at the back. I, honest, yeah. Honestly, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm bad with, with yeah. heights. Hull's the worst one, but it's it, it's not necessarily the height of it, but it's like, yeah. it's, yeah. it's, it's vertical. Yeah. Um, yeah. And by the end, you get sort of, so you climb up the stairs and by the time you're at the top, you're kind of crawling. That's how, yeah. that's how vertical it is. I'm not a massive fan of that. Sam, Hull? Yeah, if you want to work on your calves, Hull is a place to be. <laughs> I just think I actually... It's, 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 it's not, um, you know, I know, I know 
it, it is what it is. To use a football adage, it is what it is. But uh, a replay in between games against Hull and West Brom at this stage of the season. I mean, we, we've spoken before about the critical stage of the campaign that it is for for Norwich. And and you know, that if Leeds progress tomorrow, or Norwich get through in the next round, then that game against Leeds is, is likely going to be pushed into a yeah. a, a midweek as as well. A replay is not helpful for Norwich, is it? Not really. Although David Wagner said that he'd take it in the uh, pretty much press conference, so he can't really complain. Um, I have less sympathy given they'll probably be going on a plane. But um, no, you, you are right in all seriousness that uh, with the, the injury issues they had at the start of the season and the extent to which Wagner and, and even Delia Smith felt it had a, a significant um, impact on their results, they will probably be fearing that a little bit. But equally, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect him to do anything especially different to what he did today. I think it will be very much a second string 11, if not even weaker than, than it was um, today. You have to bear in mind, it, it feels like that he must have gone even worse because they drew with a League One team, but Ashley Barnes was in there, Josh Sargent uh, was in there, Borja Scynth, um Grant Handley. So there, there were plenty of players who were in there purely to sort of get minutes and build their fitness again and are actually pretty likely to start against Hull. So, yeah, it might be... Uh, an even even more weakened team that we see um, at the moment than, than what we saw today. So probably the the results of the, the chances of getting a result, sorry, of uh, will, will go down a little bit. But yeah, I think Wagner will very very much have that um, that factor of the stress on his players, fitness wise, and he'll he'll be taking that into consideration. And I'm sure he'll do everything in his power to ensure that doesn't have too much of an impact on, on the season and on the next few weeks. So it's a big couple of weeks for, for Norwich City, Adam. We, we've kind of spoken about the playoff situation that does exist. Uh, how alive you think it is probably depends on on maybe how you view Norwich City at, at this moment in time. But Hull, Friday night, uh, TV, um, of course, as well. It, it feels like uh, probably one of those games, again, where we're talking about it being a big game for, for David Wagner. Yeah, I mean, given where Hull are in the league, it's one of them games where you could close the gap to a couple of points or or it grows to eight points. And I think it's almost that flux then of kind of, uh, if they win, are the playoffs back on? And if they lose, it's all over again. It's kind of just that cycle we've been in all season, uh, which is it's not a great place to be. Um, yeah, I think it's crucial. These next, we spoke about it, really, the games kind of we've, we've just had, how, how important they were and the fact they only took one point from, from those three games was a huge blow uh, but somehow rather they're still given how poor the championship is this season they're somehow still in and amongst it uh, and there's a possibility they could still make it so while it's still alive you kind of it's the hope that kills um, but yeah with, with the way the performances are we've already spoken about you know at length on, on this podcast I, I don't see it and uh, yeah I think it's going to be another difficult evening uh, at the I think it's the MKM stadium now on Friday so just looking forward to the food element of it to be honest I've seen pretty good reviews of of Hull uh, online um, media scran for some our neighbours across uh, the pond like to to focus in on that and uh, I've seen some pretty good reviews to be fair about Hull I saw a toffee apple crumble uh, at full time uh, to the press you know not that we we're sort of you know privileged in in that sense we still have to travel to to Bristol on a Tuesday night so uh, you still have to feel sorry for us but yeah in terms of that food element yeah that's probably the the one upside, I suppose, of having to go to Hull. Now, I've, I've heard a vicious rumour about Hull. So they're sponsored by McVitie's, aren't they? As in the biscuits. I, I have seen pictures of them giving out entire packets of biscuits to... Uh, and, and, you know, 
for what it's worth, I think they should be doing it to away fans as well. So I'll chuck that in there. But um, that that would be nice. Uh, at least you know I could I could gorge on them if, uh, if things are going badly uh, at the uh, at the what is it KMK? KMK. M- yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So we shall see. That probably is an apt place to end the podcast. Thank you very much for watching, straight listening. If you listen, of course, you can watch the show in full and see all four of our glorious faces in uh, in whatever definition you like on YouTube. And if you watch and don't want to see that, then you can uh, you can listen as well and uh, leave us a review, like, comment, all of that good stuff as well. And we will see you after that Friday night trip to Hull next weekend. Uh, in the meantime. Enjoy the prospects of a cup replay in Bristol next midweek to come. See you soon.